Welcome, you're listening to ECBRO Bigfoot Radio, and tonight's episode is featured by Central Alabama Bigfoot Research Organization with Ashley Jacobs. If you want to listen to more of Ashley Jacobs' interviews and Bigfoot research discussions, find her on Facebook and follow the Central Alabama Bigfoot Research Organization Facebook group. And now... Please enjoy the following discussion. Good evening and uh, welcome to this week's episode of Expeditions for Answers. Tonight we got Mr. Daniel Benoit with the uh, ECBRO uh, founder and uh, all-around guru. He was he was one of my first that I went to when I had uh, stuff that I wanted to check out. So he was always... Uh, He's a good buddy. How you doing this week? I'm doing great. And hey, thank you for having me on here. This is quite the privilege here. Well, I've actually yeah. had yeah, that's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Kissing up will get you everywhere, buddy. Uh, but uh, you know, um I you know, I've been on your show uh several times and I've had you on kind of to push a few things and um also do uh you know, some panels, uh, small panels, I guess. And we did the cross stream that one time when you were launching your radio show. Yeah, that was I have cool. never formally had you on as a guest, which I'm ashamed of myself. You should have been one nah. of my first. <laughs> yeah, don't be ashamed. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I'm all over the place sometimes, but <laughs> that's so. I know, I know the feeling. Um <laughs> so um first off. I would like to say congratulations for those of you that did not know Mr. Benoit here popped the question to a <laughs> prospective Mrs. Benoit. How is <laughs> that? Right. Oh, that's a great. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to that. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually something we've both talked about in the past and it, these last, you know, few months, the discussions and talks about future and everything else got so, uh, you know, more, concrete and you know things um between us have been going it's been going amazing and you know, me and Haley we've actually known each other for a little over three years uh but been physically seeing each other for the last you know five going on six months you know so um so yeah th- we know each other pretty well and you know we uh we have a, a lot in common surprisingly we really do and you know the main thing is she loves Bigfoot. So, you know what? Hey, that's like, to me, that's like a serious plus right there. Like, yes. Like, that's I think a, I scored. <laughs> that is a keeper right there. If you can find a girl you can squatch with, that's a keeper. That yeah, is a she definite. Was, she's been telling me a lot lately because, you know, uh, you know, as far as the the nicer weather, she's like, I'm ready to go camping. I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> so, yeah, she wants to do a lot of camping this uh, this year throughout the summer. So. Yeah, we got camping coming up uh, at the end of May. I actually have a whole week uh, I'll be, I have scheduled off um, from work where I'll be going camping. And it's public. Anybody's welcome to come out there and camp with us. And uh, we, you know, we'll do some hiking and exploring and seeing what the woods might hold for us this time of year. Um, and this, this is different from your what's your, your uh, camping trip and convention. This is just uh, yeah, you going the- out. Yeah, it's uh, it's a public thing. I actually set up an online event for it because um, I've held, you know, camping outings before um, and throughout the years. And 
But the month of May, I'm picking May for a specific reason in hopes to have a rerun or something better of what happened in the uh, May of 2014 when we actually had our encounter. Um, so I'm ho hoping something might happen, you know. Um, Go ahead and speak a little bit, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on that um, as far as what did happen back then. So maybe we can get uh, some motors running here for people to sign up for that camp out. Oh, yeah. Well, as far as the, uh, the situation, the uh, the encounter that actually took place, it was uh, May 3rd of 2014. Uh, there was a small group of us that went camping uh, that week. And, um, yeah, it was six of us total. So, you know, we did, we spent a lot of time exploring uh, up behind our, where our base camp was and, you know, and just being out there and enjoying nature, keeping it simple. You know, we weren't going out there with an aggressive force, um, you know, did a lot of daytime exploring. And then uh, we on May 3rd, when we were after we got done exploring up behind our camp, we came back to the camp. Uh, everybody, you know, basically we had some relaxed time. Everybody has something to eat and, you know, and then we actually prepare for the evening, you know, so yeah, we planned on going on, you know, going out in the evening, uh, down to the lake, uh, from, from our camp, the lake was uh, approximately about a, maybe one mile, roughly maybe a mile. And, uh, so as we headed down there in the evening, uh, there was still a little bit of daylight there. Uh, we got out down to the lake and, we worked our way down to the lake and we paired up in twos and there was good thing was there was nobody at the lake. You know, surprisingly there was no one there fishing. Uh, of course, during the week, you hardly have anybody down there anyway. But uh, anyway, so we, we paired up in twos. Uh, we spread out around the lake and uh, you know, and while we were spread out around the lake, you know, we decided to do some vocals and uh, we, we had radio communication. Each team had a radio communication um, and we did some vocals here and there, nothing. Um, then actually the, the older couple that was uh, at the base of the lake, they stayed down on the peninsula on this little wooden bench that's out there. And uh, I radioed down to Kimmy and uh, asked, uh, it was like, all right, Kimmy, um, how about a vocalization? Surprisingly, she does a really good vocalization. And as I described to people before what her vocalization sounded like, it was pretty much almost a female version of what Bobo sounds like. If you kind of picture a female <laughs> doing that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and she's just a little, she was, a, you know, she's a small woman, you know, she's, but you know, her vocals went out there and, uh, so we were all impressed by hearing what she did. And then we all shut up um, after her vocal and we listened. And probably you know, about 10 to 15 seconds after silence, we get a return vocalization from over the other side of the ridge. It was, wasn't close, but it wasn't that far off either. It was, um, most of us heard it. So that was interesting. Um, now, apart from being spread out around the lake, um, me, I know I had one and I know Tracy Arnold, uh, cause he was teamed up with his son, but uh, me and Tracy, we each had parabolic microphones. And so from where he was set up and from where I was set up, we were, you know, on and off, we were listening to the, uh, you know, up around the ridge behind us. And, um, we were hearing some movement, you know, what sounded like some stepping and you know, whatever, but, um, 
couldn't really make out uh, at that point. There was no way to determine if it was bipedal. It may have been other wildlife because keep in mind the evening was set in and it was dark at this time. And uh, so, yeah, because we, um, we all had headlamps and it was, like I said, it was already dark into the evening and um, couldn't see nothing. Uh, then at one point, Tracy got on the radio and said, guys, um, yeah, we're going to have to get ready to head out soon, uh, head back to camp. Because uh, Elijah, his son at the time, he I think he was only like 14 maybe back then. So, yeah, he uh, he said his son started to get feeling almost sick or like so nervous and scared that he was getting sick. The cause of that was from what he said, claimed he saw up on the ridge. He said they saw a red eye shine looking down at him. Hmm. And that made made him so scared. It kind of made him feel, you know, you know, when, I guess when you get so scared, it starts messing with your stomach, with your nerves and everything. Yeah. So, so, you know, after all this came about, we all regrouped and, uh, you know, like you said, we all got, we all met back together at the beginning of the lake and started back on foot to head back to camp. And it was pretty late at that point. And so as we were walking back out the, you know, the gravel road that went out to the main forest road, we were all walking on single file line. You know, everybody was kind of talking at normal tone. Uh, we weren't trying to be quiet because, you know, like, hey, our mission was to head back to camp. And as we were walking out there, you know, I'm in the lead. I'm the lead. I'm the lead person in front. And, um, you know, we noticed some eye shine off to the right, you know, seeing it bobbing around. You had obvious deer, you know, um, as much as we had headlights, the lights pretty much lit up the area. But it's funny because, you know, it was so dark. Couldn't see the shape of the deer, seeing the eye shine, the blue marble looking glare, you know, as it was mm -hmm. bobbing, as we was walking through. And we were pretty close to it. It didn't it didn't run off. It just took its time walking away, which was kind of weird. Most deer would run off from you, you know. Um, so after seeing that, we kept going. And then something up on the left-hand side caught my attention, and I had stopped, and I'm looking. Something yellowish, reflecting. I didn't know what the heck it was. I, Tracy Arnold was the next one behind me. I said, Tracy, look at that. And all of a sudden, I know he had a scene at the same time I did. We realized it was actually a set of eyes because it blinked. And all of a sudden, we were like, what the heck? And then he's like, guys, guys, get up here. We got eye shine." But whatever that was disappeared. Apparently, it went ran into the woods. Because at my first initial point was when when I called Tracy, I said, "Tracy, is that a freaking mountain lion?" Because you know there were it, it appeared to be low to the ground, which we soon learned why it was low to the ground. Well, when we all got up to that point where we saw it, all of us grouped in the area, all our headlamps were shining in there, and then we saw it again easily a good 30 feet out from where we were standing. Now, at that particular moment, we didn't realize, but from the, the edge of the road there, the gravel road, it actually sloped down several feet, then it leveled back out. Explains why it was kind of sitting a little low. So, But as we got in there, we noticed that set of eye shine. We're looking down at it now, and we noticed it was like doing a swaying motion side to side, fairly fast, you know? And like, what the heck is that, you know? Bright yellow eyes, blinking. So the, the motion was swaying side to side. 
and uh, we we had no we had no idea what it was, and then then it got a little more interesting, like a few feet, about well, four or five feet to the right of that one, we noticed another set of eyes shine, but it was much taller. And here we are. We have one. We estimated the small one to be around four feet. Now, this other one was taller than that one. It was a roughly around six feet tall. Same color eye shine. Same color, like a yellowish color eye shine. I, I never heard anyone describe that color. I'm, I hear more of an orange to or amber, more of an amber color, which is, to me, that's kind of a reddish color. Because um, a lot of people describe red eye shine. And I never, you know, what we were seeing, we all agree, they were all yellow, you know. Um, perhaps maybe it could have appeared different, uh, at, maybe at a different angle or maybe using a different lighting. Because most of our headlamps were, uh, uh, what do you call them, LED lamps? You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so anyway, so as we were, we were observing, observing this, we got Sorry, uh, four foot one. Phone on silent. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. I thought it was my phone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're looking at a four foot one. Now we got a six foot one. The six foot one is not moving. It's just standing there. Now, keep in mind, we're not seeing no details. We're not seeing no features. We're just seeing eye shine. So this is what has us puzzled. We're like kind of, you know, it's kind of mind boggling, but it's kind of exciting because it's a mystery because I'm not able at this point, I'm not able to identify what we're looking at, but the big one, just like the little one, the big one was blinking its eyes more and more. Um, I, you know, as far as the blink of the eyes, that could have been from the brightness of our lamp, headlamps, you know, that we had on our heads. So, here it is a few minutes. We're observing two of them now. The small one's still swaying, you know, not as fast, but it's still swaying side to side. So then all of a sudden, keep in mind, it's kind of thick in this area. Um, there's a lot of bushes, there's some trees, but we're apparently where these, uh, where these two subjects are standing, you know, I mean, their eye shine was very visible. And over to the right of the six foot one, down low, we notice a third set of eyes. This one here started off very low behind the bushes. And I believe it was me and Tracy that recognized, uh, you know, uh, observed this. And we said, God, you know, I forget who it was. I, it may have been me. I couldn't remember. It might have been Tracy. But we point, we, uh, one of us pointed out the other uh, the third set of eyeshine. And one thing I observed from this, it was raising up. It was getting taller and taller and taller as if it was crouched down. And then all of a sudden, when it stood all the way up, which I'm assuming it stood all the way up, because it was easily towering over the six-foot one hmm. by, two, by two feet. So we're looking. Now we have three subjects here. We have a four-foot, a six-foot. Now we have an eight-foot subject. And this one here, the, the eye shine was actually a little larger, same color, and it blinked his eyes once or twice. Now, this is getting a little, um, you know, it, it's getting actually a little bit more exciting. Now, keep in mind, our group, there's actually a video of this whole situation taking place. I didn't know it, but uh, the one guy that was with us, he was filming all this. Wow. And, the, yeah, there's a disappointment involved in that because some people <laughs> claimed it. Some people could claim they saw the eye shine. And I watched that video multiple times. I can't pick out anything that we were seeing in that video. Because 
that from where we were standing to the distance where they were, they were, you know, I'm saying 30 feet. They actually may have been a little closer, but 30 feet. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with 30 feet, even though sometimes when I think back, I said 30 feet is actually a good distance, you know, and that may be accurate, but it was 30 feet st still close to me. But so anyway, as we're observing this, you know, some of us are getting excited. Uh, I knew Tracy Arnold was making noises and trying to trigger a response. And, you know, we, we never got no vocals, no sounds, nothing whatsoever out of V3. And then something interesting really did happen. And, and the, after this here, I think it was Tracy that said, guys, we got squatches. Because what confirmed it for me, because, yeah, the thought was in my mind, but I didn't say nothing. Tracy was the first one to say something. But we did make out a shape. With the tallest one, when it turned, it turned and, like, it took a step and then turned back facing us. When it made that maneuver, I guess from the angle from our light, the light that we had projecting into the woods, it, it, caught, it caught the silhouette. It caught the shape. Because the one thing I was able to make out was the shape of a big round head and very broad shoulders. That was the only thing I saw out of that whole thing besides the eye shine. And, like, I don't know, you know, like I tell people, I never felt nervous. I never felt scared whatsoever. But this, uh, this whole time, it was actually very exciting. And, you know, I kept running through my head. I said, am Am I really seeing, did I really just see that? Tracy Arnold uh, actually backs that up. He did confirm seeing the same thing. And eventually after all this observation, the three of them turn off and go further into the darkness. And after this observation, after they disappeared, we went, we uh, left and started heading back. And as we were walking parallel with the woods, I know, um, uh, I wasn't really paying attention, but I know Kimmy, the lady Kimmy that did the vocalization, like Bobo, she says, guys, they're they're following us. Because, you know, then after she said that, yeah, you could hear maybe an occasional limb snap on the ground. I said, no, I don't think they're following us. They're just going away. And, you know, we're but now when we got back to camp, we finally made it back to camp. And then we kind of all were relaxed and we were still talking about it. We were trying to debunk the whole situation to think about what else could it be. And, you know, there's, I know all the animals that are out there. It didn't match up to anything, anything that I know that is out there. And then here's, a, here's another disappointment right here. Me and Tracy Arnold had backpacks and in our backpacks, we had night vision. We each had our own night vision monocular. Not once did we think about pulling them out to get a better observation. So, yeah, we were kicking ourselves in the butt for that. Um, so, yeah, we went back the next day to do a height comparison. You know, uh, me and uh, what's his name? Cliff. Cliff Stanley was with, was with us. He was the one that actually filmed it. But me and him got in the position where we saw the big one. We stood behind the bushes and uh, Cliff, he might be about an inch too tall than me. I'm six foot tall. I think he was about an inch too tall than me. But when we got behind there and Tracy, I believe Tracy, Tracy stayed on, on the road where we were standing and me and um, 
Cliff, we, we raised our hands up above our head. And yeah, Tracy said, yep, that's about right, right there where the eye shine was. I said, well, that to me, when we did that there, it confirmed what we estimated. So yeah, we were pretty much on point with our um, estimations of height. And, you know, even though I didn't see physical features, uh, you know, like uh, hair color, you know, facial features, seeing that silhouette and just the observing, I'm convinced that we saw a group, possibly a family unit of squatches, you know, and um, there's been more and more of this happening in that area that confirms it more and more for me. Um you know, because I have found a few tracks in there, not in that particular spot, but around the corner, you know, on the other side of the creek. Um, and then in 2015, I was uh, during hunting season, I was camping out. I was the only one in that area. But there was a spot right across from there where I was camping by myself, where I had walked out into the middle of the forest road. I walked out of the camp into the middle of the forest road with a spotlight. Keep in mind, I did not have the spotlight turned on. I didn't turn it on until I got to the middle of the forest road. And the spotlight I had, you pull the trigger on it to turn it on. And I started shining it. I started off on my left. And immediately, I spooked up a deer that was just inside the tree line. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't see it, but I, I know I, <laughs> there's a lot of deer in the area. So I know the sound of, you know, animals when they move, you know, if it's, you know, quadruped or whatever. So, all right, I spooked a deer, so mm -hmm. I, I continued shining it, and as I got over to my right, around the uh, between the 1 and 2 o'clock position, what I heard next actually had my heart up in my throat. <laughs> now, keep in mind, I, I didn't see this, just like I didn't see the deer, but what I heard next was steps, bipedal steps of a very large and heavy bipedal subject, because whatever was inside that tree line was probably not far beyond that tree line because every step it took, you could hear each crunch and thump as it stepped. It wasn't a slow walk, but it wasn't a real fast walk either. Yeah. And it, you could hear it. It was actually going away from me. And I was, you know, I was by myself. I was unarmed. You know, um, my weapon, my gun was <laughs> back at the camp, leaning up against my vehicle. And so as I heard this, I'm hearing it very clearly. And I'm actually literally walking backwards, you know, and as I'm walking backwards, I'm actually reaching down on my belt loop where my keys were hanging and making sure my vehicle was unlocked if I have to get in my vehicle and take off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so but as I got back into camp, I actually calmed down. I was relaxed because I got I had time to clarify and, and realize what was going on. I said, whatever that was, if it if it meant me any harm, it would have came out at me. It went away from me, you know? So, but I'm convinced that that was bipedal. It was definitely bipedal. If you listen to the steps, you, if you're familiar with hearing, you know, bipedal steps, you know, it was definitely that. And like I said, it was heavy, you know, it, it was, it had some weight to it. I don't know how big it was, but it was heavy. So, um, cause to hear every step, boom 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 and at the same time you could hear it crunching whatever it was stepping on so yeah those are my two major situations i've had i mean i've had other minor things you know throughout the years you know but um that was probably 
probably the coolest things that I've ever experienced, you know. So, think, go ahead and take us back to what got you into this. I mean, that's always, you know, when you talk to researchers, that's always the first question. People, What got you into this? You know, <clears throat> was it just watching Finding Bigfoot and oh, other no. shows or Harry and the Hendersons, whatever it may be, that got yeah. you on the path to wanting to find it? Or did you actually have your own personal research uh, or not personal research, personal, personal encounter? I can't talk tonight. Sorry about that. <laughs> No, you're um, fine. You know where I'm going with this, and so does everybody else. They've seen all the other podcasts, so it's not like I have a big fan base. So, <laughs> and I don't even call it a fan base. It's like it's my family because <laughs> I pay them to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's you know the thing is, I'm somebody who's always appreciated and loved the outdoors. You know, and I've spent a lot of time out in the woods since I was a young kid. Um, you know hunting with dad you know i've always went along with dad as he went hunting and um but you know it was you know everybody knows about the patterson footage you know it's been around for many years and i remember seeing it a few times you know but then it was a certain a particular episode that really struck to me uh the uh, it was included in one of the documentaries and uh, where they actually had Bill Munns, graphic analyst, video analyst, and uh, they had, you know, where they got science involved to try to mimic um, the, the, the gate of, the, of Patty in the footage. And uh, just watching that and everything, it really kind of hit home, you know, where they can't debunk this, you know? And, mm. you know, and that was very fascinating for me. And, you know, it just kind of sparked something inside me, you know, I, you know, every chance I got, I, I went out into the woods to explore and, you know, and I started to become more observant. Uh, my senses started to be more, um, I guess in height, you know, heightened, you know, like everything was like the volume on all my senses was turned up. Let me put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I was listening more. I was looking more, you know, yeah, on occasions I even smell the air more, you know, but, um, that's actually important at times too, to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so as I, you know, as I got more involved with my senses being, you know, uh, you know, turned up and, and as I'm exploring the forest, you know, I started noticing things that, you know, I'm sure 95% of people ignore or, or just overlook, you know? And I started taking notes. I started documenting things. And, you know, then I started finding things, you know. That's why over the years, you know, people ask me, how many casts do you have? I said, well, I tell them, I said, approximately at least a dozen. And, you know, and that's not all from one day of out in the woods. I've been out in the woods for years, you know. And they've come through, you know, you know through various areas in the National Forest, you know. People don't realize here in Virginia, the National Forest is probably, whew, uh, it's a very large portion of the state, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and then that doesn't include the other states to, um, where it borders into, you know. Uh, mainly, it goes a lot into, the, you know, the West Virginia, you know, it connects into West Virginia. So, but yeah, over the years, I have collected a series of tracks and, you know, and, um, you know, and 
just it's become a passion you know it's it's more than it's more of an interest it's a passion um a passion to want to find and gather more information. I want to learn as much as I can. And if I learn something, I want to share that information, you know, and, you know, I'm not a know-it-all, nor am I an expert or claim to be an expert, but I, I do a lot of research and studies both in and out of the field. You know, I do a lot of studies out of the field on various topics uh, as I also research wildlife. So, um, I do a lot of comparisons, you know, even with wildlife that we don't have here in the, in the States, you know, um, for example, one of my main research uh, studies is on non-human primates, chimpanzees, gorillas, bonobos, baboons, uh, the various types of non-human primates. Um, I like to study their behaviors and uh, learn about their, you know, you know, observe what I can from off of research videos and everything else. And, and I start comparing things, things that we experience, things that we find that we like to contribute or associate with Sasquatch or Bigfoot, you know. And over the years, you know, I have found a lot of similarities, even with some of the vocals that that we come across that's unknown that we that we can't pinpoint towards any known species here in the United States uh, in North America. Um. So yeah. I have my way about doing my research. I have my way about finding information. A lot of people may not agree with it, but in my own mind, it's scientific and it's, you know, it may be slower compared to how other people approach the subject, but I'm willing to take the time to come up with my own logical conclusions and, you know, and, and uh, considerations towards the subject. So, yeah, it's uh, that's kind of how it goes with me. Because uh, you know, with comparison and everything, I make charts. I even write things down, or I, I'll add the information on my laptop. I'll write down a series of characteristics um, of what we associate with Bigfoot, and a series of characteristics with our non-human primates. And I have to ask myself, okay, this is what we believe Bigfoot does. The you know. We, you know, we cross cross line it over to if we have a match to our non-human primates. Are they are they affiliated with this or are they known for this? And you know, if you get you get where I'm getting at. But so it's a it's a fun study. It's a fun research um, method that I do. Um, that's just one of many things I, I do. Because, um, like I said, I have my ways of looking at things and do my research and draw my own conclusions. And the things that I believe, uh, are they facts? Uh, they're facts regarding to our, uh, what we have is to our known wildlife, but are they facts when they come to Bigfoot? That's the big question. Um, and, and that's where we can't say yeah, Yeah. And we, <laughs> yeah. And we can't say they are unless we physically observe that and have that evidence of them you know, we can only believe that they are doing it, which there's a lot. I do believe that they do. But again, my belief does not make it a fact, nor does anybody else else's belief. Um, you know, so I, I want to be careful. Right I would. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I said, if I could kiss you right now, I would. Because <laughs> you, I mean, you're, you're hitting on, you know, exactly everything that I really wanted to go into tonight as far as where we stand. 
Um, because you know, and pre-show, I, I, you know, I asked you, um, how cool were you with talking about this whole, uh, Matt moneymaker basically getting called out. Um, Leon Thompson, I love him to death. It, you know, when I watched his video, I, I even told him I couldn't help but giggle right along with you because it, you know, Leon just chuckles a lot when he talks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could tell when he's really into a subject because he starts getting that grin and he just starts, you know, giggling. But, yeah. uh, you know, with him, basically, he, he basically threw the gauntlet. I mean, I know he says he's not calling anybody out or he's trying to not trying to do anything to some people, but that's, you know, come on now, let's call it as it, as it is, because <laughs> that's basically what he's done. He went in well, and said, okay, Matt, you're the BFRO president. BFRO is basically what everybody associates with Bigfoot and, you know, the show finding Bigfoot. A lot of people got into it because of the show and with him being the president and making these claims on these tracks yeah. without having vetted them, without having an investigator, you know, it makes you in Leon approaches what he's doing for like benefits for, you know, it could be people like you and I, or it could be the benefit of somebody that's just starting out. You know, yeah. you don't want somebody that is that does have such a high profile in this world or in this community that's going to make a, you know, factual you know statement that was basically I know, which is the words I stay away from. And like basically what you were saying, I believe is the terms that I always use or I think, you know, things like that, because we really don't know anything <laughs> when it right. comes to this stuff. So, you know, it. It's got a lot of people kind of going, oh, my gosh, is he really doing that to, you know, Matt? And kind of, yeah. you know, from my standpoint, I'm like, yeah, go get him. Because you got people out there that really haven't been doing this long enough. And they're sitting there hearing mind speak. They're hearing wormholes. They're hearing inner dimension. And they're sitting there going, okay, wait, am I way out of my, you know, did I just step so far out of my comfort zone that I don't know what I'm doing? Right. So that's, you know, I like to keep it to the basics. I mean, my God, you know, the proof is in the pudding and none of us have cleared our dinner plates. It's basically, you know, we have yet to get to dessert because nobody has come close to the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, and this is yeah. almost what Matt was basically putting these tracks out there as. Now, if you're a hunter and, and you do live in snow and you see, you know, you're close to moose or what you're, you know, you, you're pretty familiar with what wildlife leaves behind. Yeah, but um, you know, and the pictures were kind of vague because they were at like a ground level. It wasn't up over them, where mm. mostly you do find pictures of Bigfoot tracks being, you know, taken as a an overwood view. But uh, you know, that was that was one thing I wanted to get into with you is you know when you are when you get asked that that key question, how do you go about researching? You know, do you honestly can can you give people advice on it or are you I, I feel like I can't. I'm afraid to. Well, what I tell people, well, first of all, let me back up. You, you know, you with as far as the snow tracks go, I wanted to make a, a a quick short statement about that. A lot of people realize this. A lot of people that observe even their own tracks in the snow and observe them a few days after the snow started to melt should be aware of what they appear to be because people got to understand what when snow starts to sm uh, when snow starts to melt you know 
around the base of where the track was the main firm part where the track was actually imprinted that's one of the first areas that's going to start melting and expanding as it melts the track's going to appear bigger now for example if somebody goes out in the woods and if there was a set of bear tracks in the woods uh where the bear made his way through there maybe three days to a, a week earlier than the time you're first seeing them keep in mind everybody knows how a bear walks their their steps their front and rear the rear foot and, and their front paws most of the time usually do connect yeah um, i can't i can't remember the percentage of the time that it will make that hind step into the four step so but but even when they don't connect even if they're right there together and they're just maybe stay even a half inch apart when the stores when the snow starts to melt it's going to appear to be one giant track yeah. you know so you know th there is a deception with snow tracks and snow melt around the base of a track so it could be very deceiving to any of us you know so myself included i will not exclude myself out of anything that i share or present and i i try to make sure people understand that um as like leon says he doesn't try to you know zero anybody out which in the past i'll admit i was guilty of doing that though i used to do that but my main thing is is i always question people you know because i believe everything needs to be questioned and people are afraid to question people they just want to accept it and run, or just run with it you know um so but as far as getting people involved or new people i've been asked numerous times from newbies and people that just want to get involved with it like what should i do what do i need well one thing i i carefully tell people is one common sense <laughs> but the thing is uh there's a few a few simple steps i've always noted for people i said first of all pick an area out get familiar with that know and learn about the wildlife that inhabit the area that either hang in the area or pass through that area and get familiar get well acquainted with them and overall the terrain you know um that's basic stuff right there and you need it's very important to get familiar with what's in the area especially if there's bears that roam that area or pass through that area because you know the one thing i hear all the time from people like oh there's no bears in my area and they think they could rule that out by saying that well that's what they want to believe just because you don't see bears in the area doesn't mean they're not there you know bears you know i have been fortunate to see bears out during my hikes you know in the woods i've seen them quite a few times i've had some close and some distant uh, encounters with bears um that's another thing I'm very observant about. When I'm out in the woods, I have to think about bears a lot because bears dominate out there. there. There's so much of them. So when I see tracks, I have to be careful observing them because some of them are double-step bear tracks, you know, very common with a black bear or even a grizzly, you know. you know, There ain't no grizzlies out here, but we have tons of black bears out here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's one thing I, I try to encourage people. That's why I tell people, you know, you know, before getting involved looking for Bigfoot, you got to know, uh, you know, learn and know what is known before seeking the unknown. You know, it's one thing I throw out there all the time. Um, like some of the filming that we did with a documentary that um that's being filmed with me. Um, well, as we were walking through the woods, you know, I was able to point that out as the the producer was following me in the woods. And uh, we came across in a, what appeared to be one big impression. 
with the leaves, and I carefully removed the leaf litter to reveal mm-hmm. that there was actually two tracks here, and they belonged to a bear. So the deception is very easily, uh, you could easily be deceived without further observation, without carefully observing and analyzing something. Um, if I wanted to believe that was a Bigfoot track, I probably would have believed it was a Bigfoot track if I didn't carefully remove the debris and see the details that were lying underneath the, you know, what was covering it. Um, but I did point that out in my filming, uh, in the filming that we did for the, you know, the first part of the documentary uh, footage. Um, so, but yeah, it's one thing I always tell people, you know, and even when I've done uh, my own field videos, if I come across that, I try to point that out if I come across it, you know, um, if you're going to find a Bigfoot track, if you come across a Bigfoot track, there's pretty much almost no denying that is a one solid track, you know. But um, then again, there's deception involved with that, too, because I've been fooled myself thinking I'm finding a Bigfoot track. And after observing it, I said, crap, there's another set of toes right here in the middle of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you got the you got the front paw. And the hind paw, you know, you know, because sometimes the hind foot, depending on the size of bear, could be anywhere from 10 inches up to 13, 14 inches. Yes, I have seen 15 inch, 14 to 15 inch bear tracks on a trail one time. And I um, wouldn't want to run into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, people don't realize we have big black bears here in the state, you know, but um, oh, Pennsylvania's got them bigger than that. We got our records over 700 pounds. Uh uh, Pennsylvania, their record is over 800 something pounds on black bears. So who knows? We're all, you know, I'm sure we got bigger ones around here. Just they haven't been documented yet. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, they're around. So, yeah, but that's what I tell people. Is just get familiar with the terrain, learn and study your wildlife. And the biggest thing is when you go out in the woods, get Bigfoot off your brain. Because everything you point at, everything you want to, you know, associate Bigfoot with, Stop, because there's there's a process of elimination that we have to keep in our mind when we're observing something that we come across. Mm-hmm. There's other several other uh, possible responsible su- suspects, you know. Uh, you know, regardless if we're looking at a broken tree or a structure, you know, gotta consider. Well, that structure looks like it was done by hands. Okay, was it another human? Can't say a human didn't do it because you know. Well, you're there, you know, so you can't rule out someone never else being there because you made it there, you know, uh, broken trees and, you know, that look like they're fresh and broken, fresh broken. Well, again, you got wildlife. Bears like to push and bend on trees, push bears, uproot trees, bears, break trees, you know, uh, bent trees. You know, here's a fun fact about bent trees. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people do know this, but then again, you have some that don't. But over a period of time, trees will become, uh, trees will start bending and they will bend uh, by reaching for the sun, you know, the fibers in the, in the tree and stuff, you know, some trees like to do that. Um, then again, in some cases, a bear will climb up a tree and if the bear is heavy enough, by the time it reaches a high, a high enough point, the weight of that bear, if it starts, if the weight's on one side, that tree's going to start leaning over that way. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have the, that bear is still going to be cl- uh, clinging onto that tree. And 
unless it drops before it makes it to the ground. But if the bear is heavy enough, what's going to happen to the inside of those fibers that that tree bends over? The fibers going to stretch, mm-hmm. you know, and in some cases the tree will most of the time spring back up. But then again, it may not always be the case. Then you got weather, snow, ice, and the weight. If it's, you know, they'll bend the tree. And if the tree stays bent long enough, those fibers are going to stay that way. That, you know, so there's a number of different factors you could consider. And, you know, when you're observing some of this stuff. So there's other known factors involved. Bigfoot should be our last consideration, our last conclusion. Now, that's one thing I like to tell people. You know, it's easy to give Bigfoot the credit, but I believe it's an error because we're neglecting all the other, you know, uh, possible suspects, you know. Because you want it to be Bigfoot. Right. Exactly. Essential. Yeah. I, um, I, know how, I know how that feels. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm not afraid to admit when I, I'm out in the woods, I want to think Bigfoot did it, too. It's easy to do that, but we can't do that. So, <laughs> yeah, this uh, yeah. one thing that like I was, you know, talking about uh, with somebody last week when I had my class A sighting, that was one thing that resonated so deep with me as far as it being real was because I was at work in the middle of a horrific thunderstorm, electrical storm like you wouldn't believe. And I, I even questioned myself, why would I be thinking about a Bigfoot standing there when my mind is on making sure that the safety of my inmates is secure, you know, that we're going to be able to move them to the storm shelter. Bigfoot furthest thing from my mind, especially since I wasn't really in the field at the time. And, you know, when, like you were saying, of course we need common sense. One thing I definitely throw in there is don't think you have to be quiet and don't be quiet because you bringing up the bears because Put it this way, one and no, we don't know this. And you know, Pat is like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> when he said, uh, "I see my, or my bays on there," I was like, I, "I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and give that to Daniel because I know it's not me." Yeah, I know. Um, I just looked at the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Pat's having fun tonight with us. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was gonna bring up singing in the hills, uh, Pat. But, uh, you know, it, you have the bears. And I even had a member in, I believe it was in my group this week, that posted the question about, um, uh, you know, um, they have a lot of bears in the area. What do people go into the forest with? Um, right. And it's the kind of thing where um, some people say, I don't, whatever, because it chases them off or this and that. And I'm like, best way to worry about the deer or the bear is make noise because as what we believe is not known, but what we pretty much figure is when you step into the woods, Bigfoot knows you're there. No matter how sneaky you're trying to be, no matter how much you try to stay quiet and whisper and whatnot, all you're doing is cloaking yourself. And there I used the key phrase, didn't I? Cloaking. Um, All you're doing is hiding yourself from a bear or any other potential predator that's out there. Um, And you're not bringing the Sasquatch any closer. So go ahead and, you know, uh, do this uh, whole, I don't know which one you're on, buddy. (laughs) I'll keep shuffling you through. Um, 
but uh yeah gosh what was it um uh yeah they're yeah, always gonna know i love these you know the 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 shows that have people you know they're talking like this to the camera and i'm like <laughs> You're already found out, dude. You're, you know, you're there. They know you're there. You want to make sure the, you know, the cats, that the bears, they know you're there. And the sure way to do that is make noise because instead of having to face them down in a confrontation and worry about using your weapon, because you don't want to kill a bear in the first place, unless, you know, unless it's something you're having to survive off of. You want them to know because nine times out of 10, when they hear a person come and they hear that noise, they're going to take off in the opposite direction. Um, so, you know, there's so many different things that, you know, between us, we can go about saying, do this, don't do that, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. Now, you've been doing this for 10, what, you, you founded ECBRO uh, 10 years ago, right? Yeah, hold on, give me one one second. I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, Get rid of my echo. Okay. Because uh, there's, I, I have two windows open up. Yeah, let me kill this other uh, screen and get you out yeah. of here. Get rid of the other one because I'm here. I'm getting feedback. Uh, yeah. That's what I probably figured it was. I'm boosting you from the studio, sir. Yeah, the one you brought back. Okay, I go. think you got it. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I couldn't get it. Take yeah. I couldn't get it taken care of. So, yeah. Now, keep in mind, I was listening to you, but I. No, I, I, I figured miss, you were. Yeah, I was trying to work with that. So, uh, I missed the main point that you wanted me to talk about. Pat, he cloaked once from you in Harrisburg. <laughs> 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 There's always got to be a smart ass in the group. Thanks, Pat. See, uh, that's what messed me up. It knocked me off when I was trying to click and hit, look at the chat, but that's what messed me up. So I'll, I'll leave the chat alone. I'll let you pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, if you see me like kind of grinning and, you know, doing this, it's because I'm keeping up with chat and yeah, blame it on Pat. Blame chat on Pat tonight. So if I look like I'm not paying attention to you, even though I am, it's yeah, his fault. He's a, he's a typical troublemaker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That, so. my, even without me actually having, I mean, I had the one uh, show with him, you know, promoting his idea of what to do. But other than that, messages like, when are you going to have Pat on? We like Pat. Pat's funny. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay. We don't even have to talk Bigfoot. Just let Pat be Pat for an hour or so. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, by the way, talking about Pat, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but Pat is actually going to be one of my speakers in June at the Virginia Bigfoot Conference. Cool. So, yes, indeed. So, uh, looking forward to meeting him in person and hearing what he has to say. So, um, knowing Pat, he'll probably get up in front of everybody. So, I don't know why you guys are here. Bigfoot's not real. No, I'm just <laughs> knowing Pat. Yeah. His mm -hmm. super objective, his super objectiveness. <laughs> Since we were going back to stuff, uh, you know, as far as, and I agree with you on that part where, you know, once you're doing this, you know, you do have somewhat heightened senses, but as a hunter, you have heightened senses anyway. You know, you're mm -hmm. really listening for things and whatnot. Um, and somebody brought up a really good point to me the other day that I really never thought about was, did I ever look up at an X, a huge X formation or an A, you know, out in the woods and ever once question why it was there. 
you know, in stick structures. Now, I know if I came to something that looked like a shelter or a lean-to, yes, that would be something questionable. But yeah. when I was hunting, I mean, if I, I, I can't remember if I ever walked across stuff like this. Well, perhaps you probably have, but it's just never really took notice of it since what, you know, the, here's the thing with what we associate Bigfoot with, it's people over the years started sharing this information, sh sharing photos and making claims that this was Bigfoot related. So mm -hmm. now we all, you know, it's like a domino effect. You know, the Bigfoot community has grown a great deal over the years. And so everybody's using the early, you know, whoever started all this as an early example. And they're, you know, somebody took the lead and now everybody's following suit. So, so basically, you know, one person jumped off the cliff and everybody is following, you know, that's basically what's going on here. And, but, you know, here's the thing, you know, like I was talking earlier, Bigfoot structures, formations. Now, when I'm out in the woods, if I find something that appears to be fascinating, yeah, I'll take pictures. I'll share those pictures. I do that. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid to do that because they do look fascinating. I call them nature's art, you know, regardless if they're Bigfoot related or not. Um, could we say Bigfoot did them? Yeah, we could say that, but does not make it a fact. That's just our speculation. There's no proof that Bigfoot did it unless you observe them building something and putting it there. That's the only way we're going to say as a fact. I have information. I have a. I have evidence. I have video footage of me watching a Bigfoot do this. Now, no one's ever come forward with that information, so we can't make that claim. You know, but then again. This is where I'm careful, where as far as certain broken, twisted trees and certain structures, the tree knocks, the things that we experience out there. Now, you know who else does that? People don't realize this, but if you do enough in-depth research and study, you'll find that our non-human primates do this very same thing for various reasons. You know, t intimidation, communication. Uh, anger, you know, frustrations. They have a our non-human primates. They they express a lot of the same feelings that us humans do, but they express it and display it in different manners than we would do. You know, um, X formations. I always like to believe that they were signs of dominance or no trespassing. <laughs> but you know, that's where because I was when I first started off. Even though I was trying to be my own person, I was kind of following suit with everybody else because that's what they believe. I was like, no, I don't want to believe what everyone I want to know the truth. So I started looking things, looking at things and thinking a little bit more critical over the years and presenting more of a logical view on things, you know. Um, you know, I'm not gonna dismiss that Bigfoot's doing this, but I'm not I'm also not gonna claim that Bigfoot did it because I didn't observe it, you know, what constructed it two trees that fall against each other forming an x that could be a simple uh um you know natural phenomenon you know that's weather when weather blows over a tree uh when trees get uprooted they fall and catch and land on each other you know people don't think of those kind of things it could be all of a natural you know occurrence mm -hmm. uh then it, you know unless a bigfoot took two trees and boom you know yeah, I would love for Bigfoot to be known to do that. You know, we need to observe that, you know, 
So yeah, um, like I, you know, one of my pictures or one of the screensaver pictures that I have for the show is actually uh, an X that I took a picture of. Right. I wouldn't have paid that thing two seconds of thought after looking, at, you know, of taking an actual picture had I not vetted it. And when I mean, and even then, like you said, we don't have video of them doing this, so we don't know it. But if you look at that picture, um, it's first thing I do is instead of looking at, you know, where the edge of the tree is on the ground, whether it's a root ball pulled up or if it's just broken, I look up to see if it's a tree that snapped from above and fell or whatnot. And right. after going through, you know, the whole process that, you know, we do when you're supposed to be actually trying to make that assumption of it belonging to a Bigfoot. Um, these just, ha it's, there's a one part where two trees are actually interwoven between three other trees. Yeah, And I'm like, oh, yeah. that is the kind of thing that we look at that, you know, as a researcher, okay, nature, it would be really hard for two, two actual trees to get woven going through three tree, you know, three different trees in the opposite direction. So right. it's, you know, it's deductive reasoning, but at the same time, like I said, and like you said, it's what I believe did yeah. this. You can't come up and say Bigfoot did this because that's what they're known to do. And, right, and, with, and with that being said, like, regardless of what I believe or what you believe, like, I'm not going to say, you know, Ashley, you're wrong, you know, based off of your belief. I, I'm not going to tell people they're wrong on that, but, but what we, what I would do, if it's something you believed in, and what I may not believe in, what I would normally do, I like okay, well, Ashley, explain that to me. What what makes this? Please explain your belief. You know, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, you People know, do get offended, right? You know, if you that's ask, like, if you question them about anything, if you post a blob squatch, and you're like, I don't see it. They get offended. You know, because right. it's just not an immediate thing for you to see. Yeah, I mean. That's I, I try to be careful when because I have questioned quite a bit over the years and and I ask people well if I make a claim if I present something that you don't agree with well question it and maybe maybe they're not understanding it so maybe I'll try to find a different way to explain it you know um, but it's the same thing with anybody else posting something publicly and making a claim on it and I have questioned it you know like. You know, and I, I understand where people come from. They, you know, they are going to defend what they present, especially if they are making that claim. Um, but one thing I am proud to see that, you know, some people that I do follow that are, I like to believe they're fairly new. They are actually presenting things a little bit more with questioning it uh, among themselves uh, and also to others when they present it. So, which is smart because they're not coming out with a claim. They're like, well, guys, I found this. This looks, what do you guys think? Something like that. You know, I'm not sure, but this could be, yeah, that's what we need to do. You know, um, like, so if I post something, you know, or if I film something, like, especially if I'm doing a field video and I come across something and I have to look it over before I start filming it so I could actually explain it while, you know, when I do film it. And so I'll start doing my filming and if it's a broken tree that's you know joined and crisscrossed with another tree i have to consider the age of that tree you know if it's if it's a fresh green tree versus if it's an old tree that might have some rot or you know or decay in the middle of it you know um 
Um, there's a number of things, the scenarios you have to consider when observing structures. Um, uh, another thing, you were talking about trees being woven. Now, that's something I find very fascinating because one thing I have come across on a few occasions, it's not often, but I have, I actually got pictures of them, is when you see several different trees. Now, you, some, one would say, oh, they were growing like that. Okay, well, here's another thing. I found what they, what appears to be, I'm not going to call it a nest because it's up off the ground. From You got other trees coming up, and they're you can see how they're w woven together. And you have other parts of trees that are crisscross and woven in them that don't belong to anything in that area. Mm -hmm. So then you're looking at this like, wow. You're looking around, okay, that don't belong to that tree. Because, you know, these trees are the same. Where did this come from and how did they get put in like that? You know, um, yeah, clearly, it's, I would have to say it was the work of some kind of hands because it took, you know, you know, if you ever try to observe something that's several limbs woven together and you try to dismantle them, pull them apart. Well, they're pretty well constructed in there. You know, some of them can be pulled out, but they don't come out that easily. Um so, yeah, wo uh, a bunch of trees and limbs woven together, that there will fascinate me right there. That there, I do believe there's some intelligence involved right there. Um, you know, like I said, there's been a few occasions where I've either taken, had taken pictures, I've filmed stuff that, like that I found, uh, which I've, I've created pictures from my films and by taking screenshots of my films. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, yeah, woven stuff is very fascinating. That's something the consider right there because why would a human wove a bunch of trees together you know it would it, to me thinking right off the top of my head it doesn't make sense why a person would want to do this you know um it doesn't display any sign of a marker like like a stack rocks you know because people do that all the time you know mm -hmm. um regardless if it's a marked trail or i've been down to a uh, a creek where i found several stacked rocks in the middle of the creek you know um, or, you know, it's a Creek where, you know, summertime people probably get in the water and play right there. It's clean water, you know, and the kids probably play stacking rocks, you know, yeah. but, um, so, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to, you know, observe. And, you know, the thing is big footing is very fun. You know, oh, the fun is. part, the, one of the things I find fun and I love a good mystery and I love trying to solve something. That's why I'm very objective and I question my, what I find. And, you know, because I don't want to just assume or point fingers at, okay, Bigfoot did that. No, I want to, I want to take, take it on. I want to take on the mystery. I want to say, okay, I want to try to solve this. I want to try to, you know, consider my other possibilities. It could, you know, and then as I question each other uh, possible suspect, I have to look into each one. Well, how could have this have done that? Why would they have done that? You know, but if I can't come up with an answer, you know, some, sometimes in some cases it's kind of, you scratch your head and you just leave it alone. And, and if you want to post a picture of what you can't figure out, let everybody else, you know, speculate on it, you know, and have fun with it, you know, but that's all we could really do at this point is just, you know, really have fun with a lot of it, you know, but I find it more fascinating trying to rule out all the other possibilities. Uh, I always like the challenge of trying to find and narrow down the truth, you know? Uh, so you actually just answered a, 
a question that I was, you know, like after I sent you uh, the message earlier today and it, you know, of course, when you got a guest leading up, you pretty much know what you want to talk to them about or you jog uh, certain notes down throughout the week. And this one just kind of occurred to me uh, today when I was sitting on the porch and I was like, you know, what keeps someone seeing as how there's really no, there's no money to be made in this unless you're somebody like Dr. Mel Jeff Meldrum that has a job as, you know, professor of anthropology and primatology. And then you flip over to the Bigfoot or Sasquatch researcher that makes zero money and does not have a day job or whatever it may be. And what do you stay, what do you do to stay vetted is what, you know, really kind of, because like you said, for us, it's a passion. Um, yeah. Mine is, you know, that, one key that class a sighting that really, you know, kicked me off. And then when you go back and you look at people that have been doing this for 20, 40 years, they've never had a class a sighting and yet they still give 110%. So to basically, you know, new researchers in the field and those that would be influenced by a show or a president of a founded uh, organization that is dedicated to, you know, the existence, uh, you know, what is it, you know, if you don't have those kind of things driving you, what is it that you would say to somebody that is trying to find, you know, here's, well, it's, it's been 50, you know, over 50 years and we're still stumped scratching our heads. Well, uh, honestly, it's well. It's probably been more over fifty, well over fifty years since the uh, well, the Bigfoot. Yeah, the Bigfoot phenomenon since the Patterson footage pretty much exploded from there on out. But uh, yeah, I mean, Bigfoot's been around a lot longer than that. But the, that footage really sparked it for a lot of people. Um, but you know, the, yeah, the thing is, yeah, you got people <laughs> like like you were saying. There's people that get out there and do it all the time. For one thing. A lot of them could afford to do that because not all, you know, the woods, you know, to go Bigfooting is not, not everybody has the privilege of going in the backyard to go look for Bigfoot. I mean, yeah, I got woods behind my house, but it's not a big part of wood. If you go through the woods, you come out to, a, uh, you know, a, a farm field, you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so me, you know, I got to be able to drive out to the woods. I'm only about maybe 25, 30 minutes to where I go, where, to where I park and go. But but the thing is, you know, that 30 minutes, you still need the gas, you know, you got to consider, do I, could I afford to ride out there? The other thing is, you know, what, you know, you got to, are you going to have a free weekend? You know, because I only get to do it on the weekends, if anything. Uh, I, you know, like, like me and so many others, we have to work during the week, you know, and um, yes, I have vacation time, but I got to use that sparingly, you know, and, um, like I said, I have a week coming up here in May, which I look forward to so much. Um, but yeah, you know, especially this time of year, you know, it's easy, you know, yeah, it can be disappointing when you're used to being out in the woods all the time. Like right now, I'm, I am, I'm hurting to be out there. I really do. I, I'm looking to get out there as soon as possible, but, um, I don't know. If, I mean, for those just getting started, I mean, just start somewhere. Just get out there, you know, whenever you can, you know. Um, I know 
for us to only get to go out on the weekends, yeah, we've been declared as weekend warriors, you know, in the Bigfoot world. Um, and you but, and I you do know, actually represent two different aspects, of, you know, or ends of the spectrum. You've got that nine to five job. You've got that where you, during the week, you've got to be at work. Me, yeah. I don't, you know, and I wish to God I did, but with my seizures and whatnot, no, I can't. I got to yeah. pick and choose my days and my times to go camping with according to making sure I feel good. And you get colder than we do. So I don't, if it gets cold down here, <laughs> I don't go out. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're also, well, you're also, just like Leon did his video from sitting in the snow. I'm like, dude, go inside by a fire. It's making yeah. me cold. You know, <laughs> don't, don't just sit out in the snow as it's falling off a tree behind you. Go inside. Yeah. Well, you know, if that's another thing in various weather, I've been out in the rain and everything exploring out there. But if you're equipped with your gear, you know, if you know, you got the proper weather, you know, gear equipped for that, whatever kind of weather you're in, uh, you normally it doesn't affect you. I mean, I've been out hiking in really cold weather. <coughs> and when you get out to moving around, yeah, you're, as you hike, yeah, your body's circulating and, and developing that that heat you know the blood circulating and you know there's been several times where i had to be out there and shed layers you know just for a little while just to get cooled down you know but and it's already severely cold out there but um i know i like just a few weeks ago was it no it's actually a little been longer than that a little about a good month ago i went out hiking and um i had me a nice hike and it was cool out now I hiked up a ridge and came, you know, went up another one and came down and, you know, before I came all the way out there, I had to stop. <laughs> I was like, Phew, it's hot, you know, and uh, but yeah, yeah, weather. I don't know. It all depends. Summertime. I don't like hiking too much in the summertime. If I do, that's my which, time. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind the well, sweat. <laughs> well, it's here's the thing. I, I do explore in the summertime, but I have, you know, if I am, I stay a lot more near the water sources. That way I could drink or cool off if I have to. Mm -hmm. That's another thing people can consider. If, if you are going to hike during the real hot weather, Bigfoot's not going to be moving around. You know, you know, your deer, your deer come out more in the early mornings or even late evenings when the temperatures mm -hmm. are dropping. Yep. And, and so that's another thing, you know, you got to ask yourself, does Bigfoot get hot and sweaty and you know and and vulnerable to the heat like we do i mean i believe there's a good chance he does then again you know in the cold weather they adapt you know, like all the other wildlife do so i have to consider and this is one thing i've come to a conclusion on based off of experiences and encounters i've had most of the activity and the encounters i've had happened during the early early to mid spring or early to mid fall Mm -hmm. Why? Because think about the temperatures around those times. May, May is going to be uh, kind of in the middle. It's going to be mild warmth. You know, there's going to be some. There's going to be warmth, but it's not going to be so cold where you know animals got to stay you know warm. And but you know, I believe it's it's a comfortable time of year where they get to be moving around more. Um, you know, and then in the summertime, if I was a Sasquatch, I would stay there some you know, in a rock ledge cave where it's cool and close mm -hmm. to a water source, you know? So, so then again, 
you know, where, where the deer, the deer are bedded down, you know, probably in a, in a shaded area. Um, you know, so the squatches, you, any kind of predator, most of your apex predators hunt during the night anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's when, when your prey is moving around and your predators, when your prey is, when your prey is moving around, your predators are going to be on the move. You know, they got to feed too. So those are things you have to consider, you know, um, bears on the other hand, bears will be moving around. You know, bears do move around during the daytime. I've seen them quite a bit during the daytime, but then again, they get very active at night. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. I believe the Sasquatch is the same thing. So, and, that's what, yeah, on. I was going to ask you. <laughs> no. He froze again. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Yeah, my phone did this. All right. All right. You're good. Did you hear yeah. me now? Yeah, you're good. I, you know, my... I could hear you the whole time. It was the uh, your visual that uh, froze. But yeah, like yeah. I guess here I would say as far as just right here by my house, I hear them. They're more vocal during the winter. This winter, not so much. I don't know what's going on because I've heard a lot of the same thing from some other people that, you know, uh, Jeremiah Fountain even said that his activity changed where usually they go away for the winter, but it seemed like they're back or they're, they're staying through this winter, even though he's, you know, upper state New York and yeah, pretty cold. Uh, and then we've had a, a colder winter than normal down here in Alabama. And uh, like during the summer, the, yeah, I've got the lake right across the street. Yeah, I figure they're going to be around a nice body, you know, a source of water. And uh, whether it be for cooling down purposes, drinking purposes, you name it, or following game, whatever it may be. Uh, Right. You know, it's and this is what I like. You and I are basically throwing theories back and forth at each other when, you know, instead of making those claims. But that's one thing, you know, and. I always thought that you, you know, I had that respect for you. Um, Cause I guess it's been what I think we're, it's going on three years that I've known you that we've actually uh, been corresponding. Uh, maybe I, th- I thought it I th- could have been a little longer. Maybe it was only three years. I, I feel like it's been a little longer, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of d- sitting in the middle. <laughs> Cause yeah. I, was, I wasn't exactly <laughs> sure what, you know, how many years, because I can't remember, but I, you were like one of the first people I sent, uh, you know, a face shot that I thought I had gotten. Um, right. And you, I mean, you're very, you were honest with your feedback. And right. even though you did give me positive feedback on it, and I mean, your exact words were, I think you got one, you know, and I still never posted that picture as far as it, right. being, look what I got, because I want that clarity. I want the same when I, when I share my evidence, I want it to be like Patterson Gimlin. I want people 50 plus years from now to still be talking about me as far as when it comes to what I did with footage or what footage I released of, you know, whatnot. Um, there, there'll be no doubt. Nobody will ever have to say, okay, what are you filming? What is that blurry thing that just went by? What, why do you have a badly pixelated picture or whatnot? And, you know, like I said, you know, I'd rather have that irrefutable kind of thing where you can't be hoaxed, which you brought up. And then you, you go around, you know, if you look at the 60s, 
what was so funny is we, you had the race for space between Russia and the U.S., which captured the uh, minds and interest of everybody. And then here in the late 60s, not only were we running for the moon in that race to space, but somebody comes out with this weird video of something that looks like a typical, you know, like a gorilla that would make anybody that didn't think about Sasquatch, even though we did have a president that claimed to shoot one at one time, you know, and here we are still 50 years later discussing, you know, we've, we've hit the, we, we proved the point with this, the race for space. You know, we've mid, been there, we've been to the moon, there's still more to go, but it's not like a competition like it was back then. But now it's, we're still stuck on that other thing that happened in the sixties where this film, two guys on horseback just happened to catch of this very strange creature. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what I think one thing that kind of intrigues people or kind of keeps some of them going is the wrong reasons. They're being the first one to finish their dinner plate. You know, going back to what I said before, they want to get to that proof in the pudding and share their dessert with everybody, which to me, that's, that's the wrong reasons for it being a yeah. passion. Like, you know, have, you know, but that's my opinion. Right. You know what everybody says about opinions. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We all have one. <laughs> well, hi Jeremiah. Did you hear me mention you or something? Look, Jeremiah fountain just popped up. He's like, yep. Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting stalked on comments right now. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to attempt to look at comments. Like I said, I don't want to mess my screen up anymore. So No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Put it this way. You know, when some, uh, when some come through, um, uh, there was, because like I brought up that other one, there was one that I wanted. I'm glad you actually brought that up. And no, I'm not talking about Pat's. Oh, this is the one that I wanted to get you to ask her. Uh, David Bagwell was... Uh, I think it's strange that there are no other primates in North America. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, because according to us, it's from project, the movie Project uh, X or, you know, where they released all the monkeys in the swamp. So, yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. There's actually uh, scientific uh, history documents that there were primates once in North America. Um much of North America at one point up, especially up in Northern Alaska. And uh, um, there's been, there's been tropical plants and stuff found. Uh, there's been um, evidence of uh, what do you call those trees? Palm trees up in, uh, up in the great North, uh, up in Northern Alaska and in other areas up there in the Northern continent of our North America here. And so down in Texas, if there's actually research, there's actually been remains of small primates found in Texas, which would make sense because Texas is a warm climate. Um, you know, so a lot of people believe, you know, that there has been other species here. Um, then as the temperatures have changed and, you know, certain animals learn, you know, adapted and survived and the others may have just died off. Um, Shoot, we have all kinds of discoveries that happen here in North America. I mean, we have dinosaurs that once roamed this part of the continent, you know? So, you know, there's so much. Why not rule out the other possibilities, you know, for, you know, um, you know, yeah, Gigantopithecus was mainly known for out there in, you know, 
in China and uh, different parts of Asia. So, um, you know, of course, a lot of those climates, you know, there's a lot more warmer climates. But then you have mountain gorillas out in the Himalayas, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, cold climate. Now, how are they surviving? Uh, key word is adaptation. They adapt, you know, you know, perhaps maybe that may have been part of their their environment or habitat for for many years. But um, I don't know, you know, as far as why we don't have no other primates now. You know, good question. We only know that most non-human primates survive in zoos right now. You hear, you know, but <laughs> that's the only thing I can come up with. You know, yeah. I'm gonna put but, this one up there. Uh, that's actually Nikki. Um, she yeah. uh, was wondering what you mean by the palm trees uh, being in Alaska. Uh, I know because there. I I mean I will say this real quick for m- my answer, but I you know I definitely want to hear yours. Um, like having lived in Florida. Um, I've also lived in, you know, being, I was a military brat. Sago right. palms grow in different uh, areas. Um, your, uh, gosh, pretty much anything like yucca plants, they're actually a form of uh, palm tree or palm plant. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, you do have the different uh, species and types of palm that you would find where you don't consider a tropical area. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it it just it varies on the species. So I you know I didn't know that there were actually palms found up in uh, Alaska. Yeah, it, so not recent. This wasn't recently, but it was through some of my research and uh you know you know some of the things I've come across and read you know that's been documented. Yeah, palm trees up in northern Alaska, um, small primate remains in Texas. You know, um, so. You know, who knows where else we might have, you know, remains of some whatever else out there. You know, it's just a matter of time. Uh, now, Bigfoot. Let's entertain the thought. Bigfoot is some type of primate, which I that's on my belief. I believe Bigfoot is some type of primate, but unclassified to science, unclassified to us. Uh, regardless, if you think he's human us as humans, we're considered human primates. So again, I do believe Bigfoot is some type of primate, you know, um, again, he is not classified, um, to what type of primate he may be. But when I was talking earlier, how there is a lot of similarities when I cross point the similarities between non-human primates. So is he somewhere in between? I'm, if I had to give more of a definite answer to what I really believe, I believe he is a primate of his own kind, you know? Um, so if there was anybody of the human side in, in him, I would like to believe or anybody else should believe that they would have enough intelligence to, to uh, evolve more intelligently along the lines of building fires, building uh, manufacturing homes, being part of, you know, developing technology, you know, um, that's a little extreme I, uh, to say that, but, <laughs> but to be more advanced than what they should be, um, you know, um, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> no, I, and the thing is, I swore to myself, I was like, going to be hanging right there with you on it so I could help you out because, but me and you do the same thing. 
It's like <laughs> as soon as you say, I forgot my train of thought, that's when my train of thought goes, okay, what was yeah. I talking about? Oh, but, well, actually, I was actually leading up to something, which I was going to gradually get into it. But, like, yeah, back to anything, the thoughts of Bigfoot being a primate. My main thing with primates here, uh, Pacific Northwest is considered a, a rainforest. What's one thing we know about a rainforest in the soil? The soil is very acidic because of the heavy rainfalls it gets. So the soil becomes very acidic. The one thing about acidic soil, people don't realize, and this is the same thing in um, in in the jungles that you know, like the Amazon, for example. Um, anywhere there's a, a rainforest where they get heavy rainfalls and where primates may exist. Well, one thing about a primate, or especially non-human primates, when when a primate dies and their remains are left in, you know, wherever they are left at, you know, in the, in the soil or terrain, whatever, and these soils that are heavily acidic, one thing about a non-human primate's bone capacity versus a human bones, the density of the bones, our humans' bones are m more preserved versus or compared to a non-human primate where the the bones in a primate break down they do they break down and dissolve uh a lot quicker than a human's would human remains usually preserve for years and years and years and you know and it all depends on the soil because some soil will preserve the remains then it's quite the opposite in some soils where it will you know, it'll break it down and dissolve. Uh, primate, that's very, that's a known fact about primate bones. Uh, I, I challenge or encourage anybody to study that, read, research that, find that mm -hmm. out for yourself. But uh, so let's say that, you know, up in the North, uh, the, the Pacific Northwest, if a Bigfoot does die off somewhere hidden off in a cave or somewhere and depends if that, if, if big, assuming, or any also entertaining the thought, if Bigfoot does bury their own dead, which it has been observed with non-human primates, um, could it be a ritual with them where they cover the remains up? And over a period of time, those those remains, what if they're getting dissolved and broken down by the acidic soil? You know, uh, high acidic levels in the soil could do a lot of damage to a lot of things. So um, there's something to consider and maybe keep in mind, you know, that's one thing I wanted to share. Um, but it is a true fact with human, I mean, non-human primate bones in acidic soil. <clears throat> it's one of the things I've came across and I started looking into it a little bit. Um, so it's an interesting, fun little fact, you know, to keep in mind and along with the theory that Bigfoot might bury their own dead. Uh, it's also believed, uh, Oh, I believe that this, just like a lot of other known predators, like your bears, uh, your mountain lions, uh, when these species, when they become ill, they go into hiding. You know, they they go off into an area that's well hidden, and they re they will remain there till they die out. And you know, when these apex predators die, you know, one of the reasons why we don't find the remains, you know, because again, they go into hiding. Um, you know, hiding wherever they stay in secret, you know, places that we probably don't know about. I mean, mountain lions probably has, you know, 
they probably have dens, you know, because when people think of well, bear, you know, bears a case, that's not always the case. Bear will go underneath fallen timber, you know, uprooted down trees. They'll go underneath of it, and, you know, and they die off. They'll, they use them as dens or they may use that to die off under, you know. And then you get all the other critters and all the other animals of the forest that eat away at the bones and and spread them all out and who knows where they end up at. So yeah. there's a lot of different a lot of different factors when it comes to remains of any animal, you know. <laughs> Just like a, uh, the remains of a deer you come out in the middle of the woods and you come across oh, oh these deer bones. Not all of them are going to be there because you got other critters or other predators that scavenge it off, you know. But uh, I'll tell you another fun fact about bones in general. It doesn't matter what animal it is. You're out in the woods. <clears throat> deer bones, for example. I've accidentally come across deer bones by kicking them up in the ground where they didn't, you know, they develop growth and moss, you know, and they, if they're in the ground for so long, you know, nature takes over, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times they get covered by other debris and leaf litter. And then if the bones are there long enough in a, a damp, wet area, yeah, you got a lot of growth uh, growth that will develop and cover them. So a lot of bones are, you know, become hidden over a period of time. You know, nature does a lot of mysterious things out there. So a lot of little things to keep in mind. So, but yeah, and I'm glad you actually, you know, threw that out there because I mean, when you started going, somewhere with like the acidity of the soil you're sitting there talking about how it attacks things and then you know what's going on in the back of my mind is actually plants thrive in acidic soil um you know if, as long as it has that ph you know the good yeah. ph balance of it but the more acidic the better but you can make it too acidic you know those kind of things but you know that's one thing you know if you buy a new home that's one thing that is uh kind of soil pisses test, you off yeah because yeah. they well they take the top the top soil off and sell it at you know to yeah. somebody to do homing you know home and gardening stuff or whatever and they leave you with basically just dirt and clay and it takes you for so long to get that soil back to a good luscious greening if you go from scratch instead of bringing sod in or whatnot so no that was I greatly appreciate you for putting that uh, aspect on it because it just. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, that's um, uh, we're coming up on, an, we're actually on an hour and a half now. So uh, final thoughts and go ahead and throw out your information again there. Um, I know when I did the thing earlier tonight, I did do a tag for the actual ECBRO when I put the announcement on the page. Or in the oh, group. yeah. Well, um, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll throw out a couple things, uh, you know, for those who may not know um, and future listeners. Uh, June 26th and June 27th, right here in Virginia, is the uh, annual ECBO Virginia Bigfoot Conference. Uh, we have our speakers already listed and uh, noted. They're on our ECBO annual Virginia Bigfoot uh, Facebook page. Uh, or you could just visit our the event website at vabigfootcon.com. Um, yeah, the, all the information on there. There's some minor things that may need to be updated, but again, you could check out vabigfootcon.com. 
Uh, you guys want to check out my YouTube channel. That's uh, Bigfoot Zone with ECBRO in parentheses. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's pretty much that going on. And I do have camping coming up here at the end of May, uh, May 23rd. Uh, actually, I'll probably head out there on the 22nd, but uh, I've been advertising it actually as the 20, 23rd. Or, or actually, no, I did advertise it on Facebook on the under events under the through the May 22nd through the 28th. So anybody interested wanting to come out and participate with that? Um, a lot of people, when they do come out to my events, uh, my camping outings, uh, I know not everybody can stay the whole time, which is totally fine, because especially due to work schedules and stuff like that. So but if you come out for a couple of days, enjoy, you know, uh, fellowship, you know, we like to shoot the shit around the campfire and uh, hang out at the camp at night and listen. Cause you know, of course the night times when it gets very interesting out there with all the wildlife wakes up when, uh, so it's a, it's a good time. Uh, it's a hit and miss. Um, can I guarantee you activity? No, but it's a good chance it could happen. So, um, so come out there, enjoy being out there with us. You know, we'll do some exploring, and um, it'll be a good time. Uh, yes, everybody, bring your own gear, supplies, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can hit me up on Facebook directly, um, or you can email me at ecbro98 at gmail.com. And um, pretty much that about covers it. Um, if you guys want a good book, Go to lulu.com or Amazon. You can find it directly on Amazon. Um, it's a wildlife. It's called the Wildlife and uh, Wildlife and Bigfoot Field Guide and an Objective View. Um, look that book up again. It's called Wildlife and Bigfoot Field Guide and an Objective View. Um, it's a small booklet and uh, check it out. Give it a review and. Uh, I definitely appreciate that. I have another book you can find on Amazon as well. It's called Learning Bigfoot, uh, Going Against the Grains of Science. And so check them out. And that's about it. And okay. Ashley, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I'm, I, like I said, it's been a little minute since we've actually been able to sit down and talk like this. Um, I did put... Uh, the link for the Facebook page for the Virginia um, uh, converse, uh, convention, excuse me. I was about to say conversation. I looked down and saw C-O-N-V. Um, oh, and, oh, and one, more, one more thing. Too. Yeah, there's one more thing I want to throw out there, too. Uh, that's coming in June. Uh, like I said, there's been some filming already started with it. We got more to do. But we do plan on having it ready on DVD. Uh, we will be doing a uh, Bigfoot a Bigfoot film documentary premiere at the conference in June on the 26th. Um, the name of the Bigfoot documentary is called elusive legend. Uh, it's an ECBRO story. Um, but uh, it's, we have already got some pretty cool footage and even captured a vocalization on it. So um, which is pretty cool. But uh, like I said, we got more filming to do. Uh, we I do have a Facebook event page. Uh, no, not an event page. We have a Facebook page created for the film documentary. Again, it's called Elusive Legend. So go find that. Give it a like and follow. Um, yes. So we hope to have that available on DVD as well. And and then as as I learn more information about how that will get distributed. And, We'll definitely let you know. I'll, I'll be sharing updates about it on the <coughs> our, our Facebook page and 
throughout. So, but yeah, I just want to give everybody a heads up. A Looser Legend, the Bigfoot film documentary is on the way. So, with yours truly. So, sorry, I had to jump off and like have a snoozing fit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what so. you said though. Um, but yeah, I put your um, email in the comments and uh, put the link to the uh, Facebook page for the Virginia conference. So, hopefully awesome. that'll, uh, you know, stir up some kind of uh, <coughs> well, more interest. <coughs> excuse me, than I know you usually get. But um, thank you again for coming on. Uh, it's been great chatting with you. Uh, need to do it more often, I know, because usually it's like it's hit and miss with us. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, you got your stuff going, and I try and keep my stuff going. Now that it's it's warming up, this girl will actually be outside. So, but Yeah, um, I, uh, I hope to get out there soon. It's, uh, yeah, weekend's been busy for me, too, if – it's not all about being able to afford to go out there. I, you know, most weekends I've been getting my grandson and then, uh, you know, He's I get so together adorable. with my girlfriend. So, yeah. So I, I may be getting them this weekend. I have to wait and see how that turns out. So <laughs> that is one cute yeah. baby. And I can tell you, yeah, he's definitely got grandpa wrapped around his fingers. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I, you know, I, I miss him because, you know, I, I live here in my apartment, you know, by myself. It's, well, it's a house, but I call it an apartment, but, but it, it's, uh, I mean, it's very lonely here, you know, unless, you know, unless I'm hanging out with my girlfriend at her house, you know, but they're all changed here soon after we, you know, when we get married, we already have plans to figure out, we already figured out how we're living. So, but, <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, we're actually getting married in May. So oh. about, about a week before my camping event. So, <laughs> Dang. Well, so you're, you're going to have like a honeymoon and then a honeymoon <laughs> or, or is the, or is the, is the camp out the, you know, the honeymoon. Well, I'll, uh, she's got her kids, so we're bringing my big cabin tent. So we're going to – the cabin okay. tent is designed where it's got a divider in the middle. You could completely zipper it down. So, yeah, we'll have our privacy on our side. So. <laughs> the, the must key in the woods. That is a, you know, a must-go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Wish I would have known about tents like that in the past. Gosh. Oh, yeah. But, well, uh, this this particular tent, I remember when I first started in, uh, in Walmart – it was way over $200 when they first came out. I was like, huh? I, I said, I want this then, but I said, I'm not paying $200 to, you know? So I kept watching it and watching it. And finally the price started coming down coming down coming down. And finally I got it for 170 bucks. So, but <laughs> so that's I said, not a bad right. price actually. Cause um, it stayed that price for a long time. I was like, well, I better jump on it before they sell out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. You trust me. There's been lots of stuff I've missed out on thinking, yeah, I'm going to get it when it drops. So that everybody yeah. else. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, thank everybody for tuning in and um, listening to a couple, you know, nuts that like to look for uh, big apes in the woods. Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there's some other Bigfoot encounters and other stories, too, if they want to check out. Um, I If you guys follow Spotify, po uh, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pandora. Um, I have a radio uh, show that's on Anchor as well. It's called ECBRO Bigfoot Radio. You guys go check that out, and uh, you can find it. It's also on iHeartRadio as well. So, yeah, I follow I on have, Spotify. Uh, yeah, I have a Facebook page set up for that too, where I usually share content. So, okay, but yeah, yeah. So yes, Mr. But, Daniel Daniel Benoit definitely staying busy. 
as always, <laughs> uh, thank you guys for tuning in. You'll have a great week, and we will see you back here next Wednesday. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Squatch on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Keep, oh, you almost made me forget mine. And look, I'm even wearing my shirt that kind of does it. Keep rocking well, your squatching. 